Next week, in our new facility, our service times are going to be exactly the same, 8, 15, 9, 30, and 11. Parking. Parking is going to be an issue. So on all the community tables throughout the room, here's a map. Okay, so the map tells you how to get there. It also tells you where parking is. But the older older you get, you need longer arms so you can read things. Yeah, I know. And then... And then if you can't get it far enough, if you have a, like a phone that has a camera on it, you can boom and just kind of blow it up and put your phone on it. And anybody ever do that? You're welcome. Uh, so there, so you can do that. You can read the directions to get there. Uh, there's there's a couple parking lots. One is a, a nice parking lot that's paved, and then there's some approaches that go into a dirt lot underneath that. And there is parking down there as well. If you are someone who doesn't know how to park in a dirt lot with no stripes, follow somebody else's example who does. Like, oh sweet, I got like a it's like the the big stall in the bathroom. I'm going to hang out. No, just go in, you know, cars like this, you know. Park like there actually is stalls, and they're painted like H's, okay? Anyway, so, uh, and, and again, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to probably have some issues uh, in parking and getting people in, and, you know, in neighbor, it's in the middle of a neighborhood, and so we want you guys to be good neighbors. So if you pull in front of somebody's house, on a, like on a Sunday, and they come out and they're like, ah, park just be like, oh, I'm sorry, what? don't be like, I love Jesus, and here's my middle finger. Don't do something like that, Okay? <laughs> Because we want to be good neighbors to our community. We want to show the love and the grace of Jesus. So someone just say, hey, what, what can I do? How can I make this better? And kind of, you know, show them we want to be good neighbors there. Uh, on the corner of, of the building, there's actually some stairs that, are, that you can walk up. If you have to park out there on the street on the far side, you can walk up around like that. So there's a lot of ways to get in and get out. And we are, for the next few weeks, going to try and make uh, their services just a little bit shorter so we can see how, you know, people getting in and out, how much time that kind of takes and things like that. Uh, also, tonight, uh, again, we hope you come at 5.30 because we really do want to see what parking is going to end up being like uh, tonight. And then you're going to eat, you're going to walk around, open house, you can looky-loo at anything you want to look at. And then at 6.30, we're going to be doing, uh, it's going to be a short service. It's not going to be long. You, If you are not out of there by 7.30, you can crucify me, okay? Because I'm telling you, you guys can get out. of It's, it's short. There's not a lot to it. We just want to kind of have a little celebration together. Uh, there is going to be... Uh, like a 15-minute video of some of the stuff that's gone on through Element throughout out the ages. So you're going to get dinner and a movie. That's like a, that's like a good date night right there. At least the older you get, that's a good date night. <laughs> well, never mind. Um, you, whoa, where are you going with that? Nowhere. We're just going to keep going. So... Um, this uh, this morning is the last uh, sermon you're going to get in this building, and uh, and with that, I'm not even given the message. Uh, so, yay! Now, how that works is this. Uh, typically, I will go through and lay out our teaching schedules and what things are going to look like. When I laid out this year's teaching schedule, I fully assumed that we would be moving into a building over there at the end of this at the end of this year, and it would all kind of work out in in that way. But it it didn't, and God has His own timing doing things He wants to do. And what I did through, at the end of the Book of Ruth, I put an extra week because I wanted to do this gleanings from Ruth, and I wanted somebody who wasn't me to come up and tell you what they heard and what they got out of the Book of Ruth, because it's always nice to have something. That's not me, you know, letting you hear what, what they got. And so I have asked my gospel community leader, his name is Donald, uh, he's going to come up and actually share with you. This is great because when Donald and I talk about this, I can tell him where he's wrong. No. <laughs> but uh, this is my gospel community leader, his name is Donald, and he is going to give you the gleanings from Ruth this morning. 
Okay. Third service applause. That's new. I kind of like that. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, today is our last Sunday morning here, and I can be a very uh, nostalgic and sentimental person at times, and I'm very honored to be able to be standing in front of all of you this morning in this old car dealership one last time. It's exciting. But with that, we get to go to Agape tonight and celebrate a new chapter in Element, and I hope to see you all there. Um, you know, make sure to bring some chairs, dress warm. Side note, I made some tri-tip chili that I'm bringing, so you guys can all look forward to that at least. So, Again, my name is Donald Weeding. I'm a deacon and GC leader here at Element. Um, and if there are Bibles in the back, they haven't been packed up yet. So if you need one um, or would like to have one, you could have one. If you forgot one and want to use one, you can do that. We also have an app called Version that we use. You can open that up and click on live and then ev- or events and then click on live and you can get today's message and some questions that go along with the message and all of the notes. There's also notes on all the communion tables around here and we will get going. So we have spent the last 12 weeks diving into the book of Ruth, 12 weeks on four chapters in the Old Testament. I really do enjoy reading my Bible, but it's time like these where we get to like spend a quality amount of time in one book that I really enjoy because we can really spend time studying God's word and growing in God's word. We're now finished with the book of Ruth as of last week, and this morning I get to share with you my gleanings from the book of Ruth. If you have been here through the whole 12 weeks, and this is going to be kind of like that bonus scenes or extras you get in a DVD when you buy it, and if you have, this is your first time with us this morning, then you're going to get 12 weeks in kind of one day, kind of. So let's uh, begin with standing for the reading of God's word, and we'll kick things off. This is Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that we can be a people that celebrate what you are doing in our lives, that this morning uh, we could focus on how you are so involved in the lives in the story of Ruth and how you are, are involved in our lives today, and that we can find glory in what you are doing with us and what you're doing with the lives around us. And I thank you for this time together, and I pray that you will uh, be with us as we focus on you this morning. In your good name we pray, amen. So the book of Ruth starts off with Naomi and her foolish husband, Elimelech, traveling to Moab. And because Naomi actually later says she she left full, it's safe to say that Naomi left Moab. She was living in the spirit of God and probably pretty happy. She was living in her name when she left. And while there in Moab, her two sons marry Moabite women. And this was actually really frowned upon in this time because of the Moabites' commitments to other gods. The two women Naomi's sons marry are Orpah and Ruth. Ruth, she she actually becomes the protagonist of this story. The book of Ruth is named after this widowed Moabite woman who is the daughter-in-law to Naomi and is returning to Bethlehem with her. We see Ruth begin to follow God of Israel and, and experience God's providence as she meets Boaz gleaning in his fields. She eventually marries Boaz. Ruth and Boaz end up having a kid. That kid leads to King David, and King David ultimately leads to Jesus, and we get this happy ending. So there's your Cliff Notes version of Ruth, but I really recommend reading the whole story. And if you are here through us throughout the entire 12 weeks of our Ruth series, I recommend you still read it again. I mean, with everything we've covered, the story becomes very rich and full. It's four chapters, it's 85 verses, six pages in my Bible. It takes 15 minutes, or 12 weeks element time. But 
Plus, reading the Bible is always a plus, and, you know, I digress. Anyways, we'll get going. Okay, what I want to do this morning in sharing my takeaways or gleanings from Ruth is take a look at the story in a slightly different light and break down the characters in this story, who they are, where they're at in their lives, and their relationship with God. Now, this could take a long time to do if we look at every player in the story, but because I know you have stuff to do, we're only going to look at three people, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Let's start with Ruth. You could start reading this story and think it's actually about Naomi. And in many ways, it is looking at Naomi deeply, but we're going to get to her in a bit. The story is really following Ruth and how she experiences God's love, wisdom, and providence. Ruth was raised in Moab, she, which is a culture very different to the Israelites. Moab is basically Vegas on steroids. She was not raised in a God-fearing home, and it's pretty safe to say that she was probably raised with sin as her God. She is raised in a non-Christian home and begins to learn about God through Naomi's family, mostly through Naomi herself in the book of Ruth, but very possibly through Naomi's son, who Ruth married. So we can safely say that Ruth is a new Christian. Then there is this great moment in chapter 1 where Naomi decides to return home to Israel and asks her daughter-in-laws to go back home. And Ruth decides to stay with Naomi and follow her. This is Ruth 1.16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Ruth, she gets to this crossroads where she knows who God is, is aware of his love, wisdom, and generosity. And she has this moment where she could either turn away and go back to the life she once knew, or she can turn towards him and begin to follow him. At this crossroads, she decides to trust in this God of Israel and follow him. Right here, she is committing herself to God. Now, this is a really short book, and, but it would have been really short if she just said, okay, peace, bye. You know, but let's be glad she didn't do that, and we get to this ultimately cool ending. Now, this is a really cool moment, at, as it's a moment we all run into, sometimes multiple times in our life. A moment where we can decide to follow God down the path he calls us, or down our own path. Ruth, she gives up her past, leaves her home, and goes with Naomi, committing herself to follow God and trust in his will for her. She does this, learning about God through Naomi. And at this point, Naomi isn't exactly the happiest person in the world. I mean, I think that, I think that Ruth made this decision thinking that she might also suffer as Naomi was suffering. She decides to follow God, knowing that he would provide for her, but not knowing when or even how. It's just a few chapters later that she gets to see the ultimate goodness in God. And we didn't, and like I said earlier, Ruth is like a new Christian. And with that, I think she is fully committed and willing to follow God no matter this outcome. I would even argue that Ruth probably didn't even think she was going to experience God's providence. But she follows him in faith regardless. So Ruth, she arrives back in Naomi's homeland and she is immediately singled out and judged because she is a Moabite woman. Moabite women at this time have a reputation around them, and everyone knows what that reputation is. But Ruth isn't that person, though, and she isn't just going to shack up with any man as her people are known for. She came from Moabite, a culture where they said premarital sex is okay, sex with multiple partners is okay, sex outside marriage is okay, and could you ever imagine a culture as crazy as Moab? Instead of living in this fashion, though, she is committed to the God of Israel and what he knows is right for his children when it comes to the act of sex. And let's take a Zach Morris time out here. Yes, I watched a lot of Saved by the Bell. So I have three beautiful girls, and I know one day they're going to grow up to be three beautiful women. And we're going to come back to this book of Ruth time and time again with them. Why? 
because Ruth waits for her Boaz. Like today, Ruth, she grew up in a culture of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and she waits for her Boaz. She is fully committed to loving God first. She knows that he is going to provide for her in a way that is best for her, and she is willing to wait for that. Now, this next part is 100% stolen from another preacher, and I'm going to use it this morning. Ruth waits for her Boaz. To all the girls who are in a hurry to have a boyfriend or get married, a piece of biblical advice. Ruth patiently waited for her Boaz. She didn't settle for any of his relatives. Broke as, poaz, lion as, cheating as, dumb as, lazy as, or his third cousin, drunk as. Wait for your Boaz and make sure he respects Yoaz. Okay. I'm really glad you enjoyed that this morning. I thought it was funny, too. Okay, time in. So, Ruth, she patiently waits for God to provide for her. And she eventually gets to live in that provision as she marries Boaz. She puts God first. Ruth works hard gleaning in the fields to help provide for Naomi and herself. And through her character, she is noticed by a great man and eventually marries him, has kids, and gets to experience God's providence. And if you are here this morning, you're someone that's looking to be noticed, there is no better way to do that than through your character and showing that through hard work. Like Ruth did, working and gleaning in the fields. Even if it's just you're looking to connect with somebody, maybe on a Sunday morning. The best way to do that is through serving. Serve on a Sunday morning. Serve in your community. Serve at your workplace. We can all grow closer to God, serving him, and the church grows best when we are all working side by side, serving him for the glory of God. Ruth, she worked hard to serve her mother-in-law. God was there from Ruth, with Ruth from start to finish. God was working to redeem Ruth, provided her a path towards redemption, made sure she was safe with Boaz, and was eventually and was always present from the beginning to the end in her life. Now let's look at Boaz. Man, I love Boaz. Boaz is a really cool dude. Boaz is the pastor that we all want, but sadly we're stuck with Aaron. Okay, that was actually his joke. He made me write that in here. I just got to deliver it. You're welcome. Seriously, though, Boaz is a really great guy. He loves God, and he loves people in the same way God loves them. We first meet Boaz in the second chapter of Ruth, and he has an introduction that's simply amazing. This is Ruth 2.4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Now, I really want you to see this the same way I do. I see Boaz as this guy everyone wants to hang out with. He is fun, funny, good-looking, and always fun to be around. He bursts in the room, and the first thing he says is, The Lord be with you. And it's not like he just casually says it. No, he comes in with enthusiasm, exclaims, The Lord be with you. And everyone says... Okay, I'm, I'm, we're going to try this again. I was really hoping you guys would all say the Lord bless you, so let's do this again. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Yes. Now, I know I really walked you there, but I really want to be Boaz. I want to be that guy who loves God so much, is always full of joy and love, that I can walk into any situation and exclaim, the Lord be with you, and mean it with all my heart, soul, in the same way that Boaz means it. To me, Boaz is that model Christian that we all want to be and we all want to learn from and we all want to be friends with. And he isn't faking it here either. I I really don't think he is. Boaz is this guy who loves God from the inside out. He has experienced God's love in a way that he feels it in his heart, mind, body, and soul. In Mark 12.30, Jesus is asked this uh, question, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus says this, Mark 12.30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
Boaz is that. Boaz is so full of God's love that he expresses that in a way that he lives his life out. He loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we should strive to be like that in our own lives. Living out God's love in our words and actions through the way we walk and the way we talk. I said earlier that my prayer for my girls is that they can grow up being like Ruth. And for my son, I pray that he can grow up being like Boaz. Not a smart as, but a Boaz. As a father, I hope I can do my part in teaching him who Jesus is, diving into God's word with him, and that he would experience God's love in such a way that he can be a Boaz to the people that God places in his life and to his future Ruth. God was always at work in Boaz's life, and Boaz was able to see that. Because of this, Boaz lived his life showing his love for God through his words and actions. Sure, we only get a glimpse into Boaz's life, and he probably, and we're seeing the best part of him. I'm sure he had his struggles and his trials, but this is the part we get to see. And when he first sees Ruth, he notices her. He informs her to glean in the fields where he can help protect her. He makes sure that none of the other men attempt to take advantage of her, and he does all of this and tells her that she is safe and cared for. He then says this in Ruth 2.12, The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is almost him praying for her in this moment. He knows how great it is to live under God. And he prays that God will show her blessings and rewards her. He knows she is a Moabite woman. He knows she is widowed. He is aware that she is broken and taking refuge under God. Boaz is a great foreshadowing of Jesus as he is also a redeemer. Just as Aaron talked about two weeks ago, Boaz was a redeemer in Ruth's life. Even though Ruth was married once before, childless, had a bitter mother-in-law, new to the city, but God grew her through that, allowed Boaz to witness that, and Boaz became a redeemer in her life. We don't know why Boaz was still single at the time, but we know that he was a man who loved God and trusted God, and God did provide him with land and a wife. God worked through him to show Ruth providence, to bring Ruth redemption. All of this ultimately brings redemption to Naomi also. I left Naomi for last because I think she is us a lot of times, and yet someone we can also see how God is working in her life. The story does not start off well for Naomi. Right off the top, we see she leaves her homeland to Moab with her husband Elimelech and two sons. Her husband dies while in Moab, and she lives there for another 10 years with her sons and daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, before her two sons also die. She is now left widowed and without her sons and heads back to Israel, bitter and angry with God. She is not happy about her situation at all. So much so that when she gets back home, she, say, she says this. This is Ruth one twenty. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And Mara, as we said time and time again, means bitter. And she is telling people, Call me bitter, because that's what I am. Naomi, she is in a dark place here. She is very beat up, angry with her situation, and really not happy with God. But here's the twist as I see it. She doesn't give up on God. Yes, she is bitter and feels that God has brought calamity upon her, but she is still telling Ruth to follow this same God. This God that is, she feels is dealing with her in a very harsh way, she is still telling Ruth to follow this God. She feels that God is bringing calamity upon her and leaving her empty, but she still believes in him and his ultimate goodness. Now, I don't know everything that was going on through her head, but I think she knew God was sovereign. 
It's why she didn't give up on him. I think she knew God would eventually bring her peace. Somewhere in her faith, she knew God was good. She just wasn't living that out. She was too focused on her own situation and her own status. I think she understood that while God doesn't will all things, he can and does will all things to his glory. Things that happen in Naomi's life, like in our lives, aren't always the will of God. God does not will or desire for sin to be in our lives. When sin begins to take over our lives, that is not part of God's will for us, but he can and he does use that to grow us and bring us closer to him. If you're here, if you leave here with anything from the book of Ruth, I hope it's Naomi's example. Even though she focused on her own problems and her issues, her own situation with a sinful, selfish way that she lived out that sin, God was able to use that. Use that sin to bring about his glory and eventually redeeming her. God is sovereign. I'm not completely sure if Naomi thought she would ever see that in her lifetime, but she did. Through Ruth and Boaz, she began to see redemption take place in her life. God worked through her and the others around her to bring about redemption and make her new again. Even in the midst of complete brokenness, Naomi trusted in God. Of all the people in this story, Naomi is someone we need to look to in our own time of brokenness. In those moments where we feel God isn't around, not part of our lives, or rejecting us, or allowing us to feel pain and hurt, it's there we need to trust in God's providence more than any other time. Those times that we decide to let sin into our lives, it's there that we need to turn to God and pray that he will use that to grow us and bring us closer to him, knowing that he can and he does use everything for his glory. This brings me to the last character in the story, Jesus. We've called this series Ruth, the story within the story, because it's ultimately about God's story. Through this entire story, God is present and working in their lives to bring about his great glory. This is a unique book in the Old Testament, too, because God isn't speaking to anyone directly. There are no miracles performed. This is a story about people interacting and living out their lives, trusting in God's ultimate redemption of them. And God is there to bring it forth to his children through his children. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, they all had faith in their great God and God delivered on his promise through them. In my gospel community, someone said, I like the book of Ruth because it has a happy ending. And she is right. This is, this is a really happy ending where Naomi, who starts off this story angry and bitter, is redeemed and begins to live in her name again in joy through God's love. This happens because God is present and working in her life and the lives of those around her. Ruth, who starts off this story, leaving her home behind to help Naomi and follow the God of Israel, very well not thinking she would ever see redemption take place in her life, she is redeemed and she gets her Boaz. She's redeemed through what God is working in his people who is present in her life and the life of those around her. Boaz, he he starts off in a really nice space. He's a jolly guy and everyone likes him. And even he is redeemed and gets his Ruth because God is there working to bring his children into relationship with him. Through God's ultimate providence, Ruth and Boaz bring in a son. The son leads to King David and King David leads to Jesus. This short four-chapter book in the Old Testament points right towards God's promise to restore his people. The book of Ruth points right to Jesus. Now, the story of Ruth is all about God's story. And God's story is all about Jesus. 
Sure, we can call this morning gleanings of Ruth, but I think we could also call it gleanings from element. Because here, there really is only one message every Sunday morning, and that is Jesus. The truth that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for us. He is making all things new, even us, even today. He made Naomi new again. He made Boaz new again. He made Ruth new again. And he makes us new again, even today, because that is what Jesus is all about. He is present and working in our lives to bring about redemption, inviting us back into relationship with him. Jesus takes all of our sin and our own story and he washes it away. Jesus takes us as we are and makes us new again in his image. The verse I read that at the start of this message was Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Naomi. That's Ruth. Boaz. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. Yet it goes on to say, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus offers us all redemption. Through Jesus, we are made new again. Communion is that place that we come to every Sunday morning where we break that cracker that represents his body that was broken for us and we dip it in the wine or grape juice that represents his blood that was spilled for us. And this morning, I really want you to let that sink in. His body that was beaten and broken for us. His blood that was spilled for us. Jesus, who is perfect and without sin, came on a rescue mission and sacrificed himself for us. And he takes us just as we are and he asks for nothing in return. Just that we can have faith that he is present, working in our lives and working in the lives of those around us to bring about his glory and our redemption. The band is going to come up. And I, asked them, I actually asked them this morning to really play some nice, upbeat music because I want to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And I hope that we can all celebrate and worship God and how he is working and present in everything that we are doing. We're also going to worship through offering. We give back because God gave so much to us. There are offering boxes in the on the sidewalls and in the back, and we can give with joy like Boaz would. Or maybe you're like Naomi, and you have trouble seeing how God is working in our lives. And if that's you, if you have trouble with seeing what God is doing in our lives and how he's sovereign, there's deacons and elders in the back that would love to pray with you about that or pray with you about anything. We have a great and loving God. And... Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday. It's my favorite holiday. I love it. And maybe when you're around your family or just sometime this week, you can ask each other, are you thankful for what God has done in your life? Are you really thankful for that? Are you thankful for what he is doing in your life and what he's going to do? I think asking that question can help us recenter us on God and what he is doing in our lives. Jesus is awesome. He is a good, loving, and sovereign God. And I, and I want to be a people that can celebrate that and worship him and everything that he is doing. And I'm going to pray that we can do that. Join me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for coming on a rescue mission to save us. Thank you for accepting us and loving us as broken and damaged as we can be. 
and making us new in your image. Thank you for constantly working in our life, constantly growing us and bringing us closer to you. That you are redeeming us and making us new again. That everything in our lives that hold us down or that we latch on to, that you can tear that away and you can make us whole again in you. Thank you for working in this space, in this building, for the time that you have, working to be about, bring about redemption and bringing about your truth that you came, you rescued and saved us. And I pray that you can help us really focus on that and glorify you in that. In your good name we pray. Amen. Amen.